Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Welcome to Bitches on Comics. I'm your host, Essie Fleenor. And I am also your host, Sarah Century, and we are here to talk to Rachel Pollack. Welcome, Rachel. Thank you. Hi. Happy to be here. (laughs) Rachel is here. I'm sorry. I'm just so excited. (laughs) Very exciting. Where can people find you on the internet if they need to look up your work? Well, um, I do have a website, rachelpollack.com. It's long in need of being updated. I have someone's going to do that if we can ever find the time. Yep. Um, I'm on Facebook pretty regularly, so you can find me there. I'm pretty much up to the limit of how many people I can have without paying a lot of money, which I don't want to do. So uh, a lot of people are just following my page. Right. Excellent. I have to find some people to unfriend. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I have no idea how to choose them, though. <laughs> I have that problem all of the time where I'm like, listen, I follow too many people and my whole page is a mess. But then it's like, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I don't know. What I'm tempted to do actually is to say something really radical politically and hope lots of people would unfriend me. <laughs> <laughs> it works every time. It works every single time. It really has worked with me. Uh, I feel like many of the people I went to high school with uh, no longer friends on Facebook. That's a win for all of us, really. <laughs> They needed to go. It's all right. Um, yeah. They needed their space. I needed mine. Exactly. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I'm a big fan of your work. We definitely have read so much of your comics output. So it's very exciting to talk to you today. And I read a bunch of interviews with you because fortunately the internet is full of interviews. And I read that you had gotten your start in tarot, I believe, whenever you were a student. Is that correct? No, I was actually teaching college at the time. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, awesome. I was, I was just out of you know, graduate school, I worked for a year at IBM, God help me. <laughs> and then desperate to get out of that, I got, I got a job teaching at a college. Oh, here's something funny that maybe you like. So I was trying to figure out how I can find some other work to do. I decided to try writing comics. So I, I kind of contacted Marvel. It turns out they weren't hiring anyone. And I got this teaching job, right? So at one point, I'm giving a talk at the college, you know, about something or other. I forget what it was. And so it's mostly students in the audience, you know. So someone said, you know, how did you come to teach here, you know, at the college? I said, well, I couldn't get a job at Marvel Comics. And that just brought the house down. People just loved that, you know. It was like one of their professors, as they always called us, became a teacher at the college because she couldn't get a job writing for Marvel Comics, which is great to them. I love that with my <laughs> That kind of made my soul. reputation with the, cl- with the students. <laughs> That's beautiful. And what like a like a non-academic 
response. You know, academia is so... Exactly. I I love my academics, my friends, but there's a reason I left the academy. It's a lot of like, I deserve to be here just as much as anyone else, you know? And you're like, (laughs) I'm just kind of (laughs) here. That's so beautiful. I love that. Yeah, I saw that you had basically been reading comics your whole life. So I was curious yeah. what the first comics that you got into, like what is the first comics That's that you remember? That's a really remember? good question, you know. I, you know, I'm sure I was, well, definitely I was reading like kids comics because way yeah. back then in the 50s, there were, you know, funny animal comics, you know. Yes. <laughs> um, all the Bugs Bunny characters and Disney characters, you know, and wonderful Donald Duck and Uncle Scrooge and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And Little Lulu, oh my God, I just, I just recently read a couple collected little lose things you know yeah and they're just glorious they're so amazing oh my god they anyway. hold up so well. Yeah, I agree. I think that Lulu is amazing. I'm the same in that way that I grew up reading a bunch of little kids comics and stuff like that. So when people are like, when did you get into comics? It's like, always? I don't know. Yeah, like, they were kind of yeah, just always too. around. Yeah, since I could read, you know. It was <laughs> yep, Dr. Exactly. Seuss first and then comics, you know. But then also <laughs> there were the superhero comics. I was into those. And I read everything, you know. Romance comics and Katie Keene. <laughs> Even Westerns, the only ones I didn't like were war comics. I just yeah. don't like those. Don't click with them. But because I'm really old and ancient, <laughs> I, <laughs> I was able to read like the last year or two of Captain Marvel before DC put them out of business. Oh, yeah. And they were just so wonderful. Oh, my those God. Those are delightful. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I belly laugh when I read some of those Captain Marvel They were just great. You know, they were so... And he was really into the Greek mythology, you know? Yeah, like 100%. holy moly, that thing they always said, you know. I don't know if you remember <laughs> that. Holy moly, you know, moly <laughs> is this herb in the Odyssey that saves Odysseus from being turned into an animal. What by, the, by, by Cersei, the sorcerer, right? Cersei, yeah. I had no idea. That's amazing. I didn't either as a kid, you know. And I just got the <laughs> moly. Oh my god, it's holy moly. <laughs> layers, um, so many layers. <laughs> yeah. Also, you helped with the Vertigo tarot deck. And I heard that at the beginning of that, that had been a conversation about doing a superhero tarot deck. And I'm I just, didn't hear that. I heard, my, my knowledge was that one of the editors, Sharon Katua was her name, she proposed to Karen Berger, the chief editor, that they do a Vertigo tarot deck using the characters as the figures in the cards, you know? And Karen liked the idea and approached Neil and Neil approached, you know, um, Dave McKean for the art or whoever did. And mm-hmm. then they called me because I was the tarot person, you know. So Karen, Sharon, Neil and I spent a weekend at a hotel in New York City just going over who the cards would be, you know. <laughs> right. Major Arcana, basically. And we assigned characters and scenes for each of those 22 cards, you know, and then sent them on to Dave. And he then was developing the Minor Arcana, the Four Suits. And he got in touch with me for any of my input, but mostly that was him. And then it was all Dave doing his amazing art. I got to write the book for it. It was really fun. Yeah, it's gorgeous. It's so beautiful. And the book, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So fun. It seems to me like tarot and comics, particularly like ones that do deal in mythos, whether it be superhero or not, like there's so much in common there, right? It's, It's about, I'm newer to tarot, so please, experts, tell me where I'm wrong. But my sense is like it's about the story of us all. We all are on a journey at some point, and we're all all of these things at different points. And so I was surprised when I was learning about it, but then I like thought about it and I was like, why is that surprising to me? Like this actually <laughs> makes a lot of sense. I'll tell you something. So when I first got into tarot, it seemed like a comic to me mm. because there'd be these scenes. It'd be like, you know, a, a scene from a comic book story, except you had no before or after. So it was very mysterious, you know. Someone read my cards, which is how I started with it, another teacher. 
And the card I remember so vividly was the Six of Swords, which shows, looks like a woman and a child sort of huddled over sitting in a, a ferry boat, and the ferryman is pushing them across the water towards a small island. That's all you see, you know? And mm -hmm. there are six swords sticking up in the boat, you know? And it just felt to me like, what happened before? What happens after? Who are these people? What's going on? And then there was a book that you can look it up, but the book didn't really tell you much. I mean, it, it seemed like it was telling you, but it was just as mysterious somehow. <laughs> right. So anyway, so it felt like a comic book to me, and that's what really intrigued me about it. It's all oh, stories. I it's love having my stories. ideas affirmed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's so cool. I do think that there's something really special about the comic form and tarot, you know, the marrying, and Sarah and I talk about this all the time, of images and words and layered meanings and how characters become mythological, right? Because there's different takes on them. There's so many people who've written Captain Marvel, for instance, and mm -hmm. shown him in so many different ways. And so it, it ends up being like an oral story, right? Like we have a little bit more of a sense of people as collections of things rather than like single characters. Yes, yeah. Oral history. I really like that idea, actually. Because just like you said, all these different people contribute to it. And each one does it a somewhat different way. Yeah. Um, so it's something funny. So when I first read them, you know, I didn't really realize as a kid that somebody wrote them and somebody drew them. They were just there, you know? <laughs> Especially because in those days, you almost never had the names of any creators on it. Because the company wanted to own it and everything and keep That's out right, there. That's right, yes. Any money going to the creators. So Captain Marvel, there was the Marvel family and they had Captain Marvel Jr., you know? But Captain Marvel Jr. had his own comic. And he looked totally different. And this was very confusing to me. I, I really couldn't understand why in his own comic he looked nothing like he looked in the other comic. <laughs> and so I really kind of pondered this, you know, and it was really kind of funny. And well, there's something else about that. In his own comic, which is more realistically drawn and kind of more gorgeous, you know, he had this like really cool hairstyle. And that's where Elvis Presley got his hairstyle from. Oh, I heard that. Yeah. Is that wild? Yeah. That is so wild. He was copying Captain Marvel Jr. Yeah. He was like a huge Captain Marvel Jr. fan. What? Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> Isn't that great? Oh, I'm going to be thinking about that for just days. <laughs> you, know, you folks should do something. You should like do a little thing with getting pictures of Captain Marvel Jr. and pictures of Elvis Presley. You put them alongside. <laughs> and then maybe I'll get the haircut and then it could be all three of us. Really? Like, wow. That feels, yeah. That feels good. I'm, in it. I'm, I'm committed. <laughs> what a great idea. It's wild. <laughs> That's, really That's so amazing. Yeah. yeah you could, so you could have like, you know, some of the pictures on Comics Crew will be Captain Marvel Jr. and some will be Elvis Presley. <laughs> fans will like to tell the difference, you know? <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's going to be our end of your uh, competition. Done. Great, so, great. Rachel Pollock just created it for us. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have to talk about Doom Patrol because, oh my God, your run is just mind-bending in the best possible way. And it's so genderqueer and trans and, and sex positive and, you know, yeah. period positive and, well, at least period discussing, let's say. <laughs> <laughs> it, it acknowledges that periods happen. That's yeah. a, so yes, period positive. I'll tell you, you that know. really freaked out some of the fans. I'm sure it did. <laughs> uh, I was deeply moved. I was like, this is so powerful. Today, it even still feels like the things that you were doing are so transgressive for especially mm. mainstream comics. And I'm just curious what it was like to be doing that at that time. I mean, you've mentioned some readers did not love the period stuff, but hey, I did. So some readers did. But like, what was it like creating at that time? Would you do anything different today? Or would you, I don't know, I just would love to hear about the creative process around it. First of all, you know, it was for Vertigo. So it was 
not exactly mainstream, even though it was obviously connected to the mainstream comics, because like Doom Patrol had been a mainstream comic before Vertigo came along. But it already is, you know, straight a lot, obviously. But anyway, but so was kind of connected. But Vertigo was also very daring. You know, it was great working for Vertigo because one of their favorite things to do was to take old mainstream characters and do wild stuff around them. And that's how I got to do, um, I did a Tomahawk. I don't know if you ever heard of that comic a long time ago. Tomahawk mm-hmm. was a kind of like Daniel Boone kind of character, but the American Revolution. I, you know, I read it as a kid. I don't remember it being a favorite. And yet when Vertigo said to me, we're doing this thing in which, you know, we do a modern revision of an old comic, you know, it's been kind of forgotten. What would you like to do? And me, I said Tomahawk. I don't know why, you know? <laughs> really, it, it ended up becoming my, actually my revision of the American Revolution. <laughs> yeah, you did that for, what was it, Vertigo Visions? Was that yeah, the, that, that yes, series? Yes, you're right. Thank you. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. but so Doom Patrol was kind of in that frame, but, you know, Grant Morrison had done it and he was just amazing. And that's what inspired me. I really wanted to do something inspired by Grant Morrison. But as to what I might do differently, um, I feel like now I look back, it didn't entirely take shape until actually the famous issue where Kate Godwin came in, Coagula. Right. Which also, but basically was the issue about my most ridiculous supervillain, which was Codpiece. <laughs> Codpiece is and, the greatest and, villain of all time. I, I, I died. That. I died. <laughs> but you know something? Here's something really strange. And I, you know, I, I tell the story a lot, and I, it's probably unfair on me, but I mean, they did do this in the letters column, is, you know, some of these fans wrote in and they thought I was attacking them. <laughs> they thought I was right. making fun of them for their sexual inadequacies. I was so bizarre. I mean, first of all, it wasn't really a joke on the inadequate, you know, men's fears. It was really right. a joke on comic books because <laughs> there'd been all these characters, mostly Green Arrow, but other characters had these ridiculous, you know, armory of impossible weapons. Right. You know, Green Arrow with a sight quiver on his back had a boxing glove arrow. <laughs> he had a missile arrow. <laughs> it was yeah. so ridiculous, you know? And uh-huh. so I just had the idea of doing something like that. And I came up with this absurd, this codpiece guy. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, oh, I need a backstory for him. You know, okay, why does he go around with this codpiece weapon? And I thought, okay, well, he felt inadequate because when he was in high school, this girl said she would go out with him. And he said, why? She said, oh, um, you're too small. And then in the next panel, like, she's with her friend. And her friend says, what did you say to him? He says, oh, I don't know, whatever. I didn't even think about it. But he's wounded for life. He's like, <laughs> now feels, you know. So that's how that came about. But then introducing Kate was, you know, I talked to a friend of mine, a transgender woman. I was doing a comic book. She said, oh, can I be a character? She said, so I put that in the back of my mind. And so I did it. The character is based on her, on Kate Bornstein, a famous transgender activist, wonderful person. But, you know, people wonder, like, how did I come up with this great thing? And basically, it's just kind of my friends, <laughs> <laughs> just some of the queer people I knew, you know, what they were like and what the world was like, what that community was like. And, and Coagula feels like she could be one of my friends. Like, it feels so weird to see her in the comic in some ways because she is so relatable. So like, yeah, that's nice. you know, when she's like, this is getting weird, when she's just talking to <laughs> Niles Calder's head, like, I was like, it is getting weird. And she's like, even for me. And I'm like, yes, even for you. you know? yeah. And like, I don't know. I also love the way that I've been thinking a lot about how the the comic form gives us so many ways to communicate who someone is. And I was really, you know, touched by the the pin that she had about being a trans lesbian. And mm, I was like, yeah, yeah. that is such a powerful way to communicate so much. Mm-hmm. And I see so many queer and trans comics doing the same thing where they're yeah. like, 
I don't want everyone to have a, a speech dialogue where they're like, I am a trans lesbian. Now you know, right? Like that's a little bit forced. <laughs> so it's like, but it's cool that we can do these visual cues and give them such a center stage in a way that helps us be like, oh, 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 yay. I love her even more now. You know, like that was, yeah. it's so beautiful. I really, Coagula is great. I love that she's from your friends. That makes my heart really happy. Yeah. <laughs> and actually somebody uh, made a few of those buttons and, you know, I think I gave the last one away to someone not too long ago. <laughs> Oh, oh, wow. Maybe we have to make <laughs> <Yeah>. some more. <laughs> yeah, that would be nice. Like, someone should do that because now the Doom Patrol's got a new, like, generation of followers, you know? Yeah. yeah. Which is so cool. I was going to ask, did you check up on the new comics or have you watched the new TV series at all? You know, I tried to watch the TV series, but I don't like watching things online. Oh, I yeah. I tried to, like, get a channel to my TV. Somehow <laughs> it wasn't working, so I haven't really watched too much of it. Mm-hmm. It seems very, very good in many ways, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I really like what they're doing. I like they have this feeling of Grant Morrison. I think it's more Grant Morrison than me, but that's great because like, Grant Morrison's work is so wonderful. You know, They bring in the menstruation <laughs> later with Dorothy well, a you know, little bit. something else. So, so that, actually, I got that from Grant, you know? Was it? He introduced, he did it very subtly. He hinted at it. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, okay. And I thought, well, what the hell, you know? <laughs> Let's just go all the way. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was so funny when the when the male adult is like, for some reason, seven days a month, you have more intense experiences with your versions. And everyone is like, it's called a period, dude. Relax. <laughs> like, we know. <laughs> but you know, some great work was done around that by men. In particular, um, Alan Moore and Swamp Thing, you know? Right, yeah. All these years, all these centuries, you know? He's the first person I ever saw it to say the time of the wolf is when someone's having a period. Right. Exactly. You know, it's so obvious, you know? <laughs> Full moon, you know, several days a month, you know? <laughs> like, hey, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hmm. I'm starting to piece it together in my mind. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, it was interesting that, you know, it took Alan Moore to figure that out. Yeah, it is very interesting. That's yeah. such an interesting issue, too. That's just Yes, that was great. Wild. That storyline. Really was, yeah. We were talking about things we loved about Coagula. I wanted to note the the fact that she tries for the Justice League and the Justice League turns her down, I think was like something that really did help establish so much in that run where it was mm-hmm. just like, when I look at Doom Patrol and I think of that team in general, to me that just, that made it click so much because it's just like, these are totally the people who do try to get into the Justice League. <laughs> and the Justice League is like, absolutely not. Yeah, are you weird, serious? Sorry. <laughs> I think particularly her costume that she was walking away from the Justice League with, I was like, girl, I see why you made that choice. And I can see why you weren't their cup of tea. You're my cup of tea, but so is Doom Patrol. So come on over. (laughs) And you know, what's interesting is that people refer to her as Coagula, but that name was used like once or twice, you know? Right, yeah. Uh, I think somewhere, someone told me recently, maybe Joe Corrala that, but um, basically the name was a joke. You know, they just name and costume were just for that panel with the Justice League. That's it, you know? <laughs> right. Because one thing I loved about Doom Patrol, again from Grant, was that the characters had their names. They didn't have secret identity names. Right. Cliff still had been Robot Man, but no one called him that anymore. Just called him Cliff, you know? <laughs> Dorothy was Dorothy. I don't think she ever had a secret identity. I just really like that quality. I thought that was a really great touch. And so that's obviously what I did too. Yeah. 
So I want to talk about your new comic work, but really quick before we go into that, I do want to mention, because I read your New Gods run, um, and I love New Gods so much, and I was just curious how that even came to be, like, what's your history with New Gods? Were you as much a fan of Jack Kirby's work as all the rest of us? Oh, at least as much. I mean, (laughs) to me, there are only a few things in comics history that are real genius, you know? Yeah. And the New Gods is one of them. And the reason is because Kirby... Reading it, you just know that he was going deep, deep into his psyche, you know? And he was pulling stuff up that was really, like, terrifying and powerful and just such amazing stuff. So I really loved that whole thing. And then, basically, it was Tom Pyre. Tom Pyre hired me for Doom Patrol, and Tom Pyre brought me into New Gods. He got the assignment. I don't know, remember how. And he said, Rachel, you want to do this with me? And so for some first issues or so, I did it with Tom, and then he bowed out, and I just took it over. That's so awesome. And then you had a fairly lengthy run on it. You were on it for like a year, right? Yeah, yeah. There were always these problems, you know, not enough of a following. And right. I had issues with the art because it was mm-hmm. mainstream comics. And that was all, you know, basically tits and ass time for female characters. A hundred percent, yeah. Yeah, with ridiculous impossible body postures. And, just, and I, I like to joke that I would have resigned in protest if they hadn't fired me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But basically, they fired all of us, you know. Right. Some, because John Byrne wanted to take it over. And oh, so yeah. he wanted a fresh shot with everything, including a new editor. He wanted total control. But, you know, we got to tell some good stories, and that was great. That's true. Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. I understand what you're saying about the art, for sure. I also have talked to multiple writers who are just like, yeah, it's not always, like, on us <laughs> when that stuff happens. Like, yeah. we'll put stuff in the script that's like, please don't <laughs> sexualize this I did. This Actually, scene. I did that, yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I had a character based on the goddess Athena. I called it Atene, uh-huh. which actually I think is what Athena's name was pronounced in Greece. Anyway, but I said that she's tall and slim, kind of flat-chested, <laughs> covered head to toe. You know? Right. Um, you know, looks like she was raised in a nunnery, you know, in a convent, you know? <laughs> and they're like, And I, I, get back this, I get back this babe in a torn tunic, you know? They're like, she must have huge breasts. That yeah, must huge be breasts the main huge thing. Ass, you know? Yeah. Like, why would a woman be in a comic if she doesn't? You know, like, uh, it's ridiculous. I got an email once from a writer who was doing some project, and I guess it was something I'd been connected to, and he said that he really wants to touch base with me, you know? And one of the things he said to the editor, because he was a new writer, you know, he was really excited to be doing this project, and he said to the editor something like, you know, give me guidance. What do I need to keep in mind, you know? Particularly about the female characters. And the editor said, big ass. Big tits are great, but we've done that. <laughs> he wrote to me, he goes, what? Huh? What the hell? Oh, Jesus. Yes, yeah. You could have big ass and big tits, but only with a tiny waist. We have to yes. remember that, right? Exactly. Like, you couldn't yeah. actually be a human size human. You can stand, but your boobs and your ass have to be facing in the same direction. <laughs> so you're going to have to work that out, ladies. Um, <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah, Jesus is right. Um <laughs> the 90s but also I mean even now you see that stuff even now oh yeah Um, it has a long legacy but I think it has changed a lot over time I think so so too yeah are you ready to shop Rakuten's Big Give Week is back 
Get 15% back at hundreds of stores. And it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free, and when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Good morning, comrades. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the People's Podcast. So... We woke up this morning and we decided to be socialist. And therefore, what we're going to do is make sure that all of our tiers on Patreon, you get all of the things no matter what tier you subscribe to. So you can subscribe tier one, tier two, tier three, tier four, and you still get the same amount of content, which is all of the content. Because once again, this is the People's Podcast. We are here, we're Marxist, and we believe that everybody deserves to eat. So you did have kind of like a fairly lengthy break from comics. And then now, from what I understand, you are working on another book. <laughs> I say a break from comics, but that literally just means that you are writing like 17 books and like <laughs> <laughs> doing all of this other stuff. But yeah, I was just curious, what are you working on now? How did it come to be? Basically, my kind of return to comics is largely from Joe Corallo, an editor, who first approached me to do a story and a couple of anthologies and other people approached me. People knew my work from Doom Patrol to do some anthology work, you know. And I, I love, I love, I've always loved writing comics. Writing comics is a great thing to do. Mm-hmm. And now Joe has a project that he sold, and he's brought me in to co-write it with him. And it's, um, it's called The Never-Ending Party. Excellent. That's so cool. I'm so glad to hear. That I'm going to be able to read a new comic from you. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing it in print. Exciting. Yes. So my co-writer is Joe Corallo, and the artist is called Ava Cabrera. Oh, okay. Yeah, and she's doing a great job. That's so exciting. 
Are you working on any other? <laughs> I mean, I know that myself, this is the main thing I'm doing. And then I'm doing like 17 other <laughs> projects yeah. on the side. Are you working on more books currently? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've got a novella, which may be long enough for a small book. It may not be. I might, I might have to cut it. And that's kind of getting to the stage of, it went in a lot of directions. So I like to clean it up to type it. I write everything longhand and I type it. So I'm almost finished typing it. Then I have revisions to do. And so there's that. And then I have a longer short novel that's been stalled. And that's about um, a werewolf cult in Central Park. <laughs> so there's that. And I've been doing like the books for Tarot Decks. I'm doing a couple more coming up. But the main thing I'm doing now is a book called, so I just started it. And I'm really into it. It's called And On The Way I Told a Tale. And the subtitle is My Life in Tarot Storytelling and Magic. So it's like a life story kind of thing, but it's really oh, wow. emphasizing all about magical things and things that are mysterious and strange and while stuff has happened to me and the power of storytelling and the power of tarot cards and ancient gods and goddesses. And I'm definitely going to have to pick that up. It's going to be a while, but I'm really, I'm really excited about it. That sounds amazing. As he has talked actually a little bit, I think, about trans allegory with werewolves. I think that just the way that werewolves have been treated, it's like now we see more commentary around it. And I just think that that's all really interesting. I really could see how there's a connection there and the connection, the idea of being cursed, of being transforming against your will. And it's a horrible curse. Queer people in general were seen as, you know, the right wing was saying, well, people are just making a choice. They don't have to be gay or whatever. And then the actors would say, no, no one would choose this. Who would choose to have such a difficult life, you know? And I am a lot of my friends are saying, yeah, I would. Yeah, you know, 100%. Most gay people really like being gay. You know? <laughs> queer people, we're all yay, you know? Yeah. We yeah. want to be those guys. Being we like queer our culture, is like you know? my favorite part of myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, so, and I can see the whole the idea of werewolves as, you know, positive werewolf energy, not a curse, you know? Right. Kind of yeah, that kind of, that changes it, right? Like that kind of just takes the narrative back and changes it in yeah, a way. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, what I love about that too is I think it really, to me, captures the thing about my queerness that is like so important to me, which is like change, right? Like things change, people change, life yeah. is about change. Mm. And so, yeah. so often when I hear people say, it's not a choice, I was born this way, I'm like, hey, more power to you. I mm. know that I could have lived a life as a straight person, as a, mm. you know, cis person. I could have existed that way for at least some period of time. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I would have chosen that. I think that was the life laid out for me and I diverted yeah. from it, you know? Yeah. And that's something that I think is powerful. I don't take shame in the choices I've made. Yeah. I feel yeah. empowered by them. Absolutely, yeah. It would be interesting if you could, you know, there's no way to know what our alternative lives would have been. Mm. But if there was a way, like in some science fiction, you kind of wait to view your alternative life. Oh my God. <laughs> to see how long you would have lasted. <laughs> yeah, sliding question. door style, right? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's like... because I think that like, Nowadays, it's possible to come out really young. Yeah. And the support, you know? I mean, I came out in my early 20s, and that was pretty difficult, you know? Yeah. And um, I just had to be really strong in who I was, which is okay. Right. I like that, you know? But at the same time, I didn't expect to do that. I expected to keep my dark, terrible secrets all my life, you know? Mm -hmm. And then I just couldn't. It just couldn't be done. I realized that it was just not possible to do that. Right. Yeah. And you said that that was right around the time uh, before the recording started. You were saying that becoming a writer, coming out, all of those things kind of yeah, tarot, coincided. Tarot oh, yeah. And selling my first short story and coming out as trans and lesbian uh, all the same year. 
It was like a big year. <laughs> yeah, there's, so a, there's this term, the Annus Mirabilis, a miraculous year that's used about Einstein in 1905, I guess it was, when he published four separate papers and created modern physics <laughs> in one year. And I think also the term was originally used for Queen Victoria, but I think my, my Annus Mirabilis, my miraculous year. <laughs> That's beautiful. You were talking about like how how long could you go down that path? And I realized I was non-binary maybe, oh, I always forget, five years. I mean, what? I don't even know what time is anymore. Six (laughs) years ago, five Uh years ago, whatever. But for me, it was like being given the key that helped like decode my experience. Like I could place it over what happened to me as a child and be like, holy shit, this was me telling my parents that I wasn't a girl. Yeah, like, yeah. this was me telling my parents that I wanted to be who I was, not someone else. Yeah, yeah. I didn't have the words to say, mother and father, I am non-binary. <laughs> I would like for you to respect that. And I'm so, <laughs> I'm so happy for the kids who can, you know, because you're right. saying that. And that's so beautiful. I was not that kid. I was like, please love me. I will do anything. Yeah. Please yeah. love me. And now I can see that and, and feel that. And I feel so... I haven't had a miraculous year yet. I hope I do, uh, where I write like a bunch of books or something. But it did. It does feel a bit miraculous, right? Like it feels like a miracle yeah. to find yourself in a world so deeply invested in making you repress all those parts of yourself. And I should say myself. It feels like a yeah. miracle to find myself in a world so invested in that. It's so powerful to talk about how how we find ourselves. And I, I'm, yes. you know, what people who are like, I have known I was this since I was this, and I never doubted. I'm like, oh my god, yay! I am so happy for you. Every day, I doubt if I am good enough, mm. queer enough, non-binary uh-huh. enough. You know? <laughs> like, we have different experiences. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> do, you, do you say them? Now? Yeah, I do. Yes. Yeah, I've had experiences, this weird conversations with several of my friends. It's so strange. They don't seem to connect it to me at all because they've known me for years and years, and I'm a nice she, and so <laughs> challenging their language. But but they'll talk about how they just can't get behind this they and them thing, and it's just strange. It's weird, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. It just makes not grammatical, you know, all that stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. And I say to them, well, yeah, I get that. I I found it awkward too at first, you know. But for you and me. It's just awkward. For them, it's their lives. Mm-hmm. <laughs> can't you see what's more important here? You know? Uh, <laughs> and they can't. Yeah, it's like a long-standing it's thing, bizarre. though, right? It's where it's weird. like every, you know how it goes, like where people who are radical and revolutionary yeah. in their time, then like as time goes on, they're just like, whoa, whoa, these new ideas, though. <laughs> this I know. is too exactly much. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, honestly, Jay's all seen... right. Jay's all right. But, you know, just, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, because... Come on, you know, okay, trans, all right, but, you know, not binary? Well, <laughs> <laughs> that's where I draw the line, and it's like, well, it's not your line to draw, but okay. <laughs> but, but they're not actually hostile to the concept at all. Right. They're right. only hostile to having to change the way they speak. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. <laughs> that's it. I mean, it's really bizarre. I would even understand it somewhat if they were nasty, right-wing, ideological people, but they're not. Right. You know, they're good people. They're supportive of queer people. It's just if having to reframe how they use grammar it's just it's still imposed upon us. <laughs> weird it is interesting um you know there's plenty of things debunking you know oh we can trace the singular they back to chaucer and the blah blah you know i'm like i'm like i'm like cool i'm all about like whatever yes. evidence makes us feel good but That's most right. importantly fuck you my pronouns <laughs> are they them use yeah. them you can say i hate this bitch they're the worst great fine by me don't care but just use the they them <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, that's really great. I like that. Yeah. Basic, <laughs> basic courtesy, you know? Yeah. See what it is. Be nasty about me all you need. I don't mind. But just the right pronoun. That's great. I like that a lot. That's really cool. <laughs> You were talking about coming out in like the early 70s and I came out in probably like, I don't know, late 90s or something like that. And just the differences, I guess. Mm. It's wild to think sometimes about how much things really have changed because things I look at young queer people today and I'm just like, wow, it's so different for you than it was for me, Um, you know, in like the late 90s. And it's so, in some ways, better. In some ways, it's just as hard, you know, and in some ways, even worse, I would say, you know, it just depends on what story you have. But yeah, it's kind of interesting. And I'm sure maybe even more so from your perspective, just that we change so, so much over this time. And yes, uh, yeah. and some people, yeah, some people us. still do resist it, right? Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah sure. Of course they do. Yeah. They're called Republicans. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's nasty. It really is nasty. I shouldn't say that. No, no, you're correct. I think for this audience, you're a-okay. Okay. But there are plenty of Republicans who are perfectly cool with queer people, you know? Right. <laughs> I mean, they're not perfectly cool with me, but fine. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. I accept that they exist. I'm mad at them for it. Actually, it would really be great if, if some right-wing person came up, you know, and said, you know, I'm okay with you being queer, you know? And I would say, thank you. I'm not okay with you being a Republican. <laughs> yes. Yes. Being I'm Republican not okay with choice. your choices. Mm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, oh my, my gosh. God. This has been just ridiculously beautiful. Talking about little Lulu, who I have not thought about oh, in like so 15 <laughs> years. And I was like, oh my God. Little Lulu was like my hero as a kid. <laughs> Get right. this reason like how again. How much mayhem can I cause? This is beautiful. <laughs> really, get get the anthologies. You know, Dark Horse published them. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, mostly black and white, but a couple anthologies in color. And we read them. They're just glorious. I cannot know? wait. I cannot John wait. John Stanley, I can't remember the artist John Stanley wrote them, I think. They're just mm-hmm. beautiful things. Oh, and actually, in the comic book, Never Ending Party, is one of the main characters named Lulu. And so I, I said to Joe, I said, Is it okay if Dionysus calls her Little Lulu? He said, Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, it's so sweet. Oh, wow. This is why we love to talk to creators. So many inside scoops. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we don't want to keep you too much longer. Yeah, so we'll go ahead and wrap it up. But Great. it has been truly incredible to talk to you. And um, yeah, is there any final thoughts to leave us on that you have? Or <laughs> I guess I just want to say, I just think old enough because I've seen different periods of things, you know? Mm-hmm. I really love this time we're in. I mean, the outside world is horrifying. Yes. Within the queer <laughs> world and the comics world, there's so much wonderful new energy, you know? Mm-hmm. And I love just seeing the great stuff going on, you know? We both read the uh, We're Still Here. Was that the name of that anthology oh, yes, that yeah, you did? Yeah. A, yeah. I mean, that was such a mind-blowingly good anthology. Yeah, and I was I just like, it must be so amazing. Because I know, even from my perspective, growing up in the 90s reading comics, and you just see like all of these women are being terribly sexualized. It's yeah. like rampant homophobia everywhere, yeah, like yeah. just constant racism and all of that. And then it's like years later, we have these all queer anthologies. We have so much more diversity. Yeah. And I think that that's great. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. It's just so exciting to know that like people who have been inspired by your work and, and are inspired by your work are creating new works. And it just feels like there's such a proliferation of mm. of trans creators right now. And 
Yeah, I'm very grateful for the webcomic format. I think people are doing cool shit that they can't get published or maybe don't want to be exactly. for constraints. Yeah. And that's like, to me, that's just as exciting. You know, you find something similar in tarot, which mm. is Kickstarter. You know, right. it, it used to be if you wanted to do a tarot deck, you had to sell to a publisher and they were going to have to invest $50,000. So it had to be really mainstream. It couldn't, you know, freak out people and stuff like that. It would be <laughs> too experimental. So it was a kind of very narrow range of what could be done. And then now with Kickstarter, you can raise, you know, not that much money and you can publish it yourself. And so this great stuff is being done. You know, all these wonderfully creative things, all kinds of all different kinds of styles and stuff. And a lot of queer stuff too. A lot of queer tarot decks now. Yes. That's so true. My partner just had their birthday and I, I bought them a, a queer tarot deck and it's been yeah. very fun. All right. Okay. Thank you so much for joining us today. And uh, we're going to go ahead and let you go. But this has been incredible. And thank you so much. Okay. Thank you very much. We are a podcast that is all about making comic books more accessible to LGBTQ folks and women. So if you have a question about anything related to comics, comic adaptations, pop culture in general, conventions, cosplay, you name it, that's what we're here for. You can send us your questions at bitchesoncomics at gmail.com. Unfortunately, Gmail does not like the word bitch. They're pretty judgy about it. So <laughs> we can't have it spelled out. It is B dot. T-C-H-E-S-O-N-C-O-M-I-C-S at gmail.com. And yeah, remember, there's no I'm bitch. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so by rating and reviewing us on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Sarah Century, and you can find me at www.sarahcentury.com and Twitter and Instagram. Still Sarah Century on those. I'm S.E. Fleenor, and you can learn more about me at sefleenor.com. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at at S.E. underscore Fleenor. Bitches on Comics is recorded by Kate Warner, who plays in the band Churchfire. You can find them at churchfiremusic.com. Our music is recorded by Katie Taylor, who plays as Earth Control Pill. You can find her music at earthcontrolpill.bandcamp.com. Bitches on Comics is recorded in Denver, Colorado. We want to recognize the indigenous peoples who have inhabited and do inhabit this land. The Arapaho Nation, the Ute Nation, the Cheyenne Nation, and others who have been erased from our history and collective memories through colonization. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.